Well, good morning and welcome this morning. My name's Yvonne, I'm one of the leaders around here and it's great to have you with us this morning. If you've uh, been just joining us recently, you are very welcome and if you've been with us forever and a day, you are welcome. It's great to be together this morning. Last week when we uh, gathered together, we talked about COVID haircuts and I clearly have not had my post-COVID haircut yet, but we wanted this week to talk about our COVID acquisitions and some of you have sent them in. What has been something that you have acquired during COVID? Now, this is what I have acquired in my backyard. We have now a up the tree, uh, thanks to my 12-year-old Ollie, he has uh, put up a platform and it's got a zip line and there's things hanging off the tree. So that is our COVID acquisition over the last little while. This one is Susan Moyle. She has acquired a bunch of jigsaw puzzles. So there's a lot of jigsaw puzzles there and I wonder whether you've acquired a bunch of jigsaw puzzles as well. This one here, some dogs. People have acquired some COVID puppies. Uh, so you may have acquired a dog as well, I'm not sure. I'd love one, but we're not allowed to have one at my house. That's not going to happen. Uh, this one is a lovely one. This is young Jed. Have a listen to what he has acquired. This is his new clever trick. In Jesus' name. He has learned to say... Amen. amen. I'm not sure whether we got the volume of that going. Yep, we did. So he's learned to say amen, which is good. He's growing at a rate of knots and that's fantastic. Uh, and there are some other COVID acquisitions. There's an itty bitty Barndon on its way. So congratulations to the Barndons. That's really exciting. And the Yates's family, they are actually having two little acquisitions arriving sometime into next year. So that's really exciting for them. And I know there are others, but I'm not quite sure whether they're public knowledge yet or not. So we'll keep them to myself at the moment. But that's our COVID acquisitions. And next week, what we're doing is we're asking if you want to talk about your COVID reunions. So there may be someone that you have been hanging out to see and you finally got to catch up with them in a park, on a picnic rug, socially distanced with your masks on. Send us a photo. We would love to see your COVID reunions. Uh, I think that will be worthy of celebrating. So that's going to be great. Now, something else that's happening that I want to let you know uh, is that we are doing some Christmas hampers. We've got a uh, an agreement with the local police that they have got 500 people that they would like to deliver hampers to. All they need us to do is put them together and they'll deliver them for us. So this is an example of a hamper that we're putting together. I'm going to run through the instructions for you. Firstly, what you need to do is you need to click the link in the feed below or go onto our website and find the link or in the weekly update and tell us how many packs you want to pack, how many hampers you want to pack and also when you want to drop them off because we want 100 each week throughout November into that beginning of December. The next thing you do is you go and collect your boxes. You can pick them up from Bronze Doorstep and all the information uh, is on the link in the feed. So pick up your boxes and then go ahead and pack them. So you might want to pop up to your local supermarket and buy some things to put inside them. You might want to put something baked and lovely in there as well. So pack up your hamper and then the last thing you do is you drop it off at the particular date that you said in the original link uh, that you would deliver it. So make sure you get involved in that. We want to do 500 hampers. It shouldn't be that hard to do, but we need you all to participate. So you might say, as a family or as an individual, you might pack one or two hampers. You might have a chat with your life group and say, actually, why don't we nominate someone to be our hamper organiser? Uh, and our life group might pack 20 hampers between us. So have a think about how you can get involved. Uh, but I think that that is going to be a great message to send out to our community that new community as a church really cares about them and wants to put some effort into sending out some hampers. So check that out. 
The next thing I want to talk about is this idea of voices rise up. That's our topic at the moment. We're thinking about this idea of justice. Uh, so over the next few weeks and last week, we've been thinking about justice issues. Last week, Peter Bergmeier came and spoke to us about Indigenous matters. And this week, I've got uh, Jenny Beachy, who's going to talk to us about aid matters. And we're talking particularly about global aid and global poverty. So we really want to unpack that a little bit this morning. And I'll be chatting with Jen uh, in that chair in a little while's time. One of the things that we do at New Community is have a Christmas appeal. And for the last three years, our Christmas appeal has been directed particularly at an organisation called Mulberries in Laos. And during the week, I caught up with Bobby, who's one of the people of New Community, who's connected us into this organisation, but also with her mum, who's actually in Laos, running the Mulberries organisation. We had a wonderful chat about all sorts of different things that are happening for them, and I've put together a little bit of a snippet of that conversation. So check that out now um, between Bobby and Comalie and myself. Well, welcome, everybody. I've got two people here. I've got Bobby down the bottom and I've got Comely, her mum, up the top. Now, Bobby, you've been a part of New Community for a number of years. And Comely, you're coming to us all the way from Laos. What, what time is it over in Laos at the moment? It's 9am in the morning. 9am in the morning. Well, Greeting from Laos. Thank you. It's wonderful to be able to do this way of connecting. It's really good to, to see you. Comely, it's been a few years since I was over there seeing all of the Mulberries things. It's wonderful to see you. You're face to face again. She said, even though we haven't seen each other for a long time, but we have always been thinking of NCR and the, your community church in Australia and we have always been praying and thank you uh, everyone for supporting our work in Laos especially um, we really really want to thank you for the new car that we have received from NCR that has helped us so much in moving our people moving our materials to villages and and keeping us safe as she said in addition to that, with the mobile sapling that you've been supporting the villages or the reeling houses that you've been building for the villages to raise silkworm, that really, really helped them in their production. She said the families that you visited that planted the mulberry trees, they're all now raising silkworm. Ah, oh, that's wonderful because it's a few years since I was over there and um, it was lovely to see the project in action and to see the families that it was actually impacting. So it's our pleasure. And also hearing that that car has been great. Bobby, I wonder, do you want to just give us a bit of an update on where things are at at the moment in terms of the Mulberries projects? Sure can. Um, I will be sharing some photos of just to give you an update how we're doing this year in 2020 with the COVID and everything else. So, okay. So here we are early in the year or later in the last year um, in 2019. We were, uh, there were some villages in Tatom Centre were preparing mulberry sapling for uh, villages in 2020 planting. And uh, by April or just before April, our sapling were really ready to go out we were able to distribute barbed wire to villages uh, mm. to help them in fencing because so, some area there's a lot of animals that you mm. know 
that needs to, they need to fence off. We also been able to distribute material for building reeling houses for them, getting them ready for, you know, to be able to start raising silkworm. Yep. So, so these are the rearing houses where they put the little shelves in and the silkworms yeah. grow and feed and yeah, that's and, yeah. and spin their silk. Yeah. And then COVID hit. Mm. So that was around late March when we were told to shut everything down. So we started making soap. So you're making soap out of the, the local plants, aren't you? No, from the malt, from the silk protein yeah. that we extract. Ah, from food. the silk protein, not yeah. from the plants. We were able to make around about just over 15,000 soap. Um, and that was distributed to school, to uh, our members. Yeah, and we also get, you know, provide training for them in hand sanitizing, go to into the school and also get, uh, do provide the, the soap and give them some training. Uh, so by May, the country started oh, yeah. opening. And that is when we were able to, just on time, to be able to distribute um, mulberry sapling for plants. So these are the little saplings that you're, you're digging up and you're bundling up ready yeah. to take out to villages to, to replant in their fields. Delivery this year was just over 187,000 plants went out. And NCR has contributed over 100,000 plants this year. Wow. Yes. That's huge. Huge, yes. To 78 families. And then, yeah, these are, these are the trees. But we're also encouraging intercropping as well, as you can see behind the lady, that um, we other, use other uh, like legumes plant uh, to help improve their soil as well on top of uh, just more planting mulberry trees. Mm. And then the villagers use that to raise the silkworm. So that's all the little silkworms there and they're putting the leaves out for breakfast or lunch or dinner, one of their three, three meals a day. Three times a year. Yeah, three uh, times a day. A day. And then um, after 15 days, uh, they harvest the cocoon. Our harvest this year has more than double. We are thanking God for that because we've, we've never have done over, over a tonne before and we have done that. Uh, our first achievement was in May. And now uh, we're at the point where we're just over five tons. I think our average was between two tons a year, but we're now. We believe this year we will be hitting over six tons, six to seven tons. And, and that's money in the hands of those families. Yes, and right. as you can see how our storeroom full of the cocoon is quite packed, which we never had had to even build a shelves to put them in. But that's where we at. Um, but we also provided training at the farm. So this is the cocoon that we've been reeling out. So now they're, now they're reeling off the silk out of all of the various cocoons ready to turn into... Detergent. Yeah, to yarn, to yarn, yes. Mm. So this achievement that we have achieved this year, especially with our production of silk cocoon, it did not just happen within this year. It took us to prepare this three, four years ago. That's when, you know, NCR had came in to support with the mulberry sapling because the most important thing for them to get to this point is to have fully grown mulberry trees or enough mulberry trees to be able to raise silkworm. So it really started four, four years ago that slowly these, these building these family up. 
point. I remember a few years ago, Comely, you you were going out into various villages and you were talking to people about the potential of mulberry farming and silkworm farming. Um, and I remember you saying to me that you had 70, 80 families just waiting uh, <laughs> and, and to now hear that, you know, that, that such a good story. It's really good. There are more families that are interested. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we love being able to partner with you. And I think this, this Christmas will be our fourth year of partnering with Mulberries for our Christmas appeal. So we're looking forward to thinking about what, what our involvement will be this coming Christmas and thinking up some, some ideas with you and with Comely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, our our hearts are with you, Comely. How can heart When I was there, you looked after me like your very own daughter, like Bobby. And so, because of that, I became quite fond of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Lovely to chat with both of you, and um, stay well. And hopefully, one day we'll see each other face to face. But in the meantime, we'll we'll continue to partner together. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you. Bye. Ah, such a fantastic conversation. It was actually um, that conversation with uh, Bobby and Comely was actually much longer conversation. I'm going to try and edit that down into something um, and post it on the Facebook page for those of you who want to hear the the breadth and width of what they had to share because Bobby had a lot of other things to say that are really, really useful, particularly pertaining to this topic today. So, yeah, check it out. Jenny Beachy, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you for coming on in. Thank you. Um, you work for an organisation called Tear Fund. It used to be called Tear and it's, it's gone back to being called Tear Fund. Yep. And you have for a little while. You're also part of New Community here. Yep. One of the things that you're really passionate is about this whole area of, of aid and global poverty and actually speaking into that. And you have been for a while. Yep. What was it that led you into that? What was it that brought you through that doorway? Yeah, good question. It's a long story because it's been a a journey that I've been on, you know, sort of my whole life, um, learning and deepening. So I guess started as a young person just trying to understand what God wanted from me Mm. as a follower of Jesus and what I would do with my life. And part of that involved getting stuck into the Bible and reading the Old Testament prophets who Mm. were quite down on people being religious but not caring about the poor. Um, You know, I did... Um, 40-hour famines and those sorts of things as a young person, you know, that was pretty important. Um, I spent six months in India um, to test out a bit of a missions calling, I guess, and came back and studied development, international development instead. Um, Didn't come back to theology, came back to international development, worked for TIR for a bit. Um, Of course, lived in Fiji for a couple of years, which really challenged a lot of assumptions and I guess some of my own internal racism that mm. Peter was talking about last week so um, yeah and then of course working with TIRS partners who are Christian organisations in developing countries and just learning from them and from people themselves living in poverty in their journeys and their, their mm. lives yeah 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 so it's been a long journey yeah. out of all the injustices why this one in particular? Are there some things that, that you've encountered in, in recent times where, that's made this one really important and personal to you? Um, I guess, firstly, I think a lot of the injustices that we're talking about over this series are connected. Yeah. So I, I guess I'd see myself as being passionate about quite a lot of those. But for me, um, poverty as, as being an injustice is something that I spend a lot of time in. Um, and over the last couple of years... I guess, a deepening understanding um, 
of the injustice. So a couple of little stories just more recently. I guess one thing is, for me, um, I'm working with partners in Africa at the moment, and I think for Australians, Africa's a place of stories rather than a place of human beings a lot of the time. So I met a guy earlier this year um, from Mogadishu. Now, for me, Somalia is pirates and Black Hawk Down. That was basically my entire knowledge yep. right before I started working with Africans. And, um, and he's a guy, he lives in Mogadishu, he's, he's trained there, he's got a wife, he's got a little girl, and tells me that the seafood is cheap and excellent. Come to Mogadishu, it's got great seafood. And just to really hit me that, you know, ordinary people, they're not stories, they're not monsters, they're just really ordinary people like us living their lives. Mm. And then the other story, I guess, for me, that's really a big standout at the moment is um, meeting some farmers in rural Mozambique. So one of our partners is working with farmers to set up commercial farms. So there's about 40 mostly women mm. growing like truckloads of tomatoes and all this sort of stuff. So we've been around the farm, we've had a look, I've asked a lot of you know, questions, oh what are you doing about this, what have you learned about this, how's this work, you know, because that's mm. my job. And at the end um, they were singing a song and it was translated for me and there was a line in it that said, we're all brothers and sisters because of the blood of Jesus. And it hit me, that like, you know, Holy Spirit hit you kind of moment. Yep. Just the beauty of that, that we were connected and that we were equal and valued, but also just the devastation of that, that we are brothers and sisters because of the blood of Jesus. We are equal. Our value is equal. Our importance to Jesus is equal. But yet here's me with education and this job, swanning around, catching planes, asking questions, and here's she working her butt off on a farm just to be able to have um, a house to live in, yeah. yeah, and that was just both both beautiful and devastating, and that's sort of one of the things yeah, that kind and, of and keeps it you. real, yeah. hit me really hard, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So, so it becomes personal because it's about the people, and yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, global poverty—that it's such a huge, big issue. This is probably too big a question, but how did we get here? What What's the cause? What's What's the What's the heart of the issue? Yeah, look, it's difficult. In a, give me a week. Yeah, um, that's and right. We, might start. we don't have a week to so answer the question. Week. So um, it's complex. I mean, I guess to put it simply, it's about um, broken relationships. You know, our understanding of the world is um, is that it's it's broken, um, and there's lots of ways in which relationships are broken, and it's very complicated. Each country has its own colonial history, has its own conflict history, yeah. um, has different kind of environment that's positive or negative for them. Um, has different kinds of corruptions, you know, some are very crowded, some are very sparsely populated. So um, if you want to understand why a particular community is in poverty, you really need to understand that community story. Dig in a bit. Yep. Dig in a bit. Um, I guess for me, um, an example, though, of how some of the complexity, um, how some of the complexities there and how we're connected with it is um, just thinking about Africa as a continent and the aid that we put in yep. and the resources that flow out. So um, there was a study done by Jubilee organisation in the UK about six years ago, looking at the, comparing the aid flows into Africa and the flow of resources out of Africa. And they worked out that for about every $100 of aid we put in, we got about $600 of resources out mm. that were benefiting um, us, not, not maybe me directly today, but indirectly yep. the systems that we're part of that we benefit from. So we put in $100 in aid, we feel good that we're doing the right thing, but then 
there's illegal um, flows of funds, there's um, brain drain of trained people from Africa mm. coming to developed countries, there's multinational countries that make profits there but take them elsewhere yep. so people don't benefit from them or just plain avoid tax. Um, uh, there's illegal logging and fishing, which doesn't sound like much, but actually they're mm. huge resources that people are stealing mm. from African people. And, of course, the impact of climate change, which we've done a lot more to cause than a lot of African communities, but which they tend to bear the brunt of. So, um, for me, it's just an example of how aid is important, our generosity is important, mm. um, and I think that that God calls us to be generous with the resources he's given us. But also it's much more complex than that because we also are part of systems that are causing that problem, that are taking the resources as well. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the flow in of aid is really important. It's important. But actually how do we address that flow out? How do we yeah. turn that out tap back off? And, yeah. and I'm, you know, someone like me, I'm, I'm quite unaware of the systems that perhaps I'm involved in and connected mm. into that actually contribute to that flowing out. Um, from countries like Africa because, you know, unless we can stop that flowing out, the, the, the issue won't be solved, will it? No, it's, no, yeah. and it is complicated, but it's hard It's hard to feel connected, but we are. And when you start yeah. to understand the systems, you see that mm. we're benefiting from the same systems that are keeping people at the bottom. I think your smartphone's a great example yep. because your smartphone's got rare earth metals that are dug up out of Africa. Yeah. And yeah. so you have to have that because you're a smartphone user in a place that has to have smartphones. Mm. And there's someone digging it up and their country's maybe not yep. getting all of the benefit of the resources yeah, that they've got but there. Yeah, but if the benefit for that resource could stay in that country, then the poverty issue would change. But Yes. Well, yeah. even if they could have a smartphone, because we've all been connecting with all our digital technologies mm. and mm. a lot of African communities have been left behind yeah. um, during that, like COVID lockdowns that's, and things. That's a huge one and certainly worth us thinking a little bit more about. Mm. Tell me, as an organisation that you work for, Tier Fund, what, what sort of things do they do um, in contributing in to, I guess, help solve some of these systems? Yeah, good one. Um, so, obviously, Tier Fund is a relatively small organisation compared with the size of the problem, um, but there's certain areas where we feel that we can contribute a bit. So, the first, I guess, is responding to crises. Mm -hmm. So, when there's, uh, you know, a disaster, a flood, an earthquake, those kinds of things, um, TIER works with our, our partners, local Christian organisations, to support them mm. to respond. So, for example, last year, um, probably for about three months, all I thought about was a cyclone in Beira that had hit one, of our, yeah. hit yep. one of our partners and then cut sort of across Mozambique into Zimbabwe and caused a lot of, uh, a lot of pain, a lot of damage. Um, so that's one area that we work when there's an emergency. The second area, and probably our core business, is journeying alongside communities and alongside Christian organisations as they work with those communities to help them learn um, new skills, develop confidence, um, to find new opportunities and to make the most of the ones that, that are there but they don't know how to, how to tap. Yeah. Yep. You've actually got a video... Um, that we're going to watch uh, that unpacks some of that core business, some of the ways in which yep. Tier Fund connects into communities and, and helps to build some, some systems that, that will help them. Why don't we check out the video um, and then we'll come back and ask you a few more questions um, at the end. So check out this Tier Fund video. Great.
am not a number on a page. I am not a casualty of war. I am not a Sunday project. Or an opportunity for you to feel good. I'm not a development goal. A mission trip. A Facebook status. A gold coin donation. Or a quick minute of your time. My name is Pripti. I'm married with three children. And although we will never meet, we are connected. Not too long ago, my life was very difficult. We had to depend on the rice fields alone for our livelihood. When the field would do poorly, we had to borrow money from a private lender to survive. Their interest rates are very high, and it made life very challenging. When I was younger, it was never as dry as it is now. Today, there is very little rain, and it makes the season less predictable. It makes it harder to farm. To try and increase yields, many people import seed and fertilizers. My family would often become sick from this food, especially my husband. One day, a program leader from PNKS invited us to attend the Village Development Association. We wanted to learn about hygiene and growing our own vegetables to improve our health and livelihood, so we decided to join. Since joining the VDA, there has been significant change in our life. I learned how to care better for our health and how to make better use of my land. We now have fish pond, chickens, pigs, a vegetable garden, and can collect our own seed for planting next season. We also learned about the harmful health effects caused by the pesticides and the damage they can cause to our land. The VDA has taught us how to produce our own fertilizers naturally, which not only saves us money, but it healthier. We not only have enough food for ourselves, but I now sell my vegetables at the local marketplace. They are very popular. People are tired of vegetables that are filled with harmful chemicals. It's exciting to see the change in our community. Others, like me, are also learning how to improve their livelihood. My name is Yosaran, and this is my wife, Um Kung. Before we joined the VDA, life had many hardships. I lost my leg from a landmine left over from the war and have only a small farm to manage. Because of my injury, earning a livelihood is very difficult. It is also hard to connect with people in my community. After joining the VDA, we learn how to make better use of our land through the vertical garden. We were also able to create a fish pound and to raise chicken to have a livelihood. My neighbors are very interested in the skill I have learned and now visit me regularly. I am less lonely as a result and don't feel as hindered by my disability. There are many others like us in our community that are learning to make a better life for themselves thanks to the techniques we are learning. Things are improving for us, yet we still have a long way to go. 
there are still a lot of people using harmful chemicals and costly farming practices that are poor and need help. My dream is to be able to have a larger farm so that my daughters can work the land with my husband and I. Like many families here, they currently work in the clothing factories. It's hard work. They do not have safe working conditions. She is often sick from the poor food they provide and tired from a long hours. My hope for tomorrow is to see my community happy and healthy. One of the main reasons I joined VDA was because of the importance they have in sharing, loving and caring for others. As we are learning more and more, everything is connected from the land and the way we care for it to the ocean and to the sky. We each play a part in caring for our planet and each other. My name is Pipti, and although we will never meet, we are connected. That's fantastic. So I, I love that video. It's mm, it's actually beautiful. it's it's quite bright and beautiful in some ways, isn't it? We yep. we were talking just before we went to the video about what are some of the things that um, Tier Fund do, mm. uh, and you were talking about that core business, and mm. that that's the core business, isn't that's it? That's the core business. Yeah, yeah. Yep. it's beautiful, and and it's not all doom and gloom. You know, there's yep. hope and there's joy and there's courage. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what else? What else do, does Tier Fund do? Well, the other, I guess main area of ways that we're responding to the problem of global poverty and the injustices is getting involved in advocacy. Yeah. So um, a big part of Tears Core Business is actually working alongside Australian Christians and helping us to understand um, a bit about the problems and also how we can respond. And one of those ways is in advocacy. So mm -hmm. to speak out um, for those who don't have a voice in Australia uh, we spend a lot of time helping Australian Christians understand and learn how to um, advocate to our government about Australian aid, about being a good neighbour, about being generous with what we have. Mm. At the moment, we've got a, a campaign called the End COVID for All campaign, yep. just acknowledging that um, COVID, um, like any kind of disaster, hits people who are poor harder. Mm. They have less resources to deal with it. Their governments have less resources to deal with it and encouraging our government to be generous and to be a good neighbour. Mm. Um, yep. And so there's other opportunities like that for, um, for people to get involved locally um, and also global movements for advocacy mm. as well. Absolutely. Yep. yep. So w what have you learned along the way? Because it's actually a really big thing. You know, it, it could be, you know, quite big and huge and overwhelming. What, what have you learned along the way about yourself, yeah. about God? Yeah, it can, it can be. And I do feel overwhelmed sometimes yep. because it is big. Um, and I think the examples of the stories I was telling earlier, the, the, um, the woman where, you know, connected because of the blood in of Jesus. In Mozambique, yeah. In Mozambique. Um, just learning more and more, something that you know, but learning more deeply um, that we are all made in God's image mm. and that we are all valued in the same way to God and just 
that is just devastatingly wrong that there are people who are made in God's image who don't have opportunities for basic, you know, life and health and education and and human rights and opportunities like that. And that, um, you know, that's hard. Um, sometimes it motivates me. Sometimes it, it's just painful. Yep. But it's um, it's part of the the reality. But I think it's the heart of God as well. He his ears are inclined to the poor. And so if we're listening to God, then we've got to hear that as well. Yeah. And in yep. some ways, we actually, we have to embrace the pain of it, that the it's not right. It's we, not and right. we have to embrace that and, and allow that to, to motivate us to get involved and, and, and do more. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Not in a martyr kind of, I'm in pain kind of way, but that's just the reality. Yep. 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 Um, so, so what can we do? Because I don't want to leave us really overwhelmed and feeling exhausted about the whole the whole thing. We we mm. do need to embrace that yep. it's not right and yep. it's not okay, and we do need to feel the the sting of that a little bit. But mm. we also want to feel really um, able to participate and able to connect. What, what what are some things we can do? Yeah, it is really overwhelming. That's right, and and we don't want to leave people going. Ah, it's too hard because it is easy to just go. It's too hard. I just yep. don't want to think about it, and yep. I understand the feeling one hundred percent. Um, at Tier, we talk about five responses, which is kind of five different places you can start, I guess. Um, the first one is learn. So if you want to know more, you think, oh, I've never thought about this and I don't understand it, go and find something out. Hit the Tier website, mm. hit the Baptist World Aid website, World Vision, wherever, somewhere, and find out more and, and you know, be a bit informed. Yep. So learn. The second one is pray. So when you learn more, you know, you can go to God and go, look, there's these things that I've seen that I don't know how to deal with. Can you help yeah. And also keeping in mind that he may be going, well, actually, yeah. you can Care- help in this way. Careful. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, to yeah. pray. So to come to God in prayer about those yeah. things. So learning, praying, giving, obviously. Um, Australians on a global scale, we're pretty well off. Yeah. Um, and our, my understanding of, of the story in the Bible is that we're to be generous with the things that God has given us. So mm. uh, to be giving. Um, so learn, pray, give, act. Yep. So advocacy, get involved in speaking out, you know, sign a petition. There's lots of, you know, easy, you know, click that you feel it's a good place to start, you know, sign the COVID for all petition. It's a yep. click, we'll try you know, and, put that and link it's a in good the, start. In the feed at some yep. stage. Yep. Yeah, but also there's opportunities for training to learn how to build movements, mm. to learn how to speak to your politician, how to write a letter, all sorts of things that you can get involved in if you yep. want to speak out. So learn, pray, give, act. And the last one, of course, is change. Mm. As you go along that journey, there will be changes. Um, changes in myself. Changes in yeah. myself, changes in the way that I live, um, you know, as I learn more about the way that God values others and as I seek to live in solidarity with them, as I seek to remove myself a little bit mm. from the systems that are keeping people in poverty, that there may be some lifestyle changes but you don't have to start there. Yeah. You can't change everything today. We can't fix the systems today, but we all can learn, we can pray, we can increase give, we can Increase our awareness. Act. Yeah, can increase I like that. Awareness. So it was, yeah. it was learn, learn, pray, pray give, give, act, change. change. That's brilliant. Yeah, love it. You've given us some great things to think about. You've, you've taken us on a bit of a journey to, from, you know, from, from some reality to it's just not okay and you've brought us back out with some possible things that we can actually move forward with. Jen, we love your heart. We love that this matters to you. We love that you go out and you champion it. Uh, we love that you um, have come today to talk to us about it. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for doing those hard yards of grappling with, with this stuff with us and for us as well. Mm -hmm. So thank you for coming today. Uh, Really appreciate it. Thanks, Yvonne.
We're going to hear from another Jen. We've got Jen B. We're going to Jen A. Jen Aiton is going to speak to us um, a little bit about what the Bible has to say about this bigger topic and she's going to talk about Jubilee. Thanks, Jen. We have been exploring this theme of voices rise up here at New Community because we believe that justice is in the heart of God. Now, here in Victoria, particularly in Melbourne, we are coming to the end of a really long lockdown. But the good news is the end is in sight. Um, quite a bit where it's got the same storm but different boats. I love the way it shows us that we've got this kind of um, surreal pandemic isolation experience that we all share, but yet the way that we experience it is really different sometimes. And I know, you know, for my boat, it has been really intense. We have had two adults working from home, two primary school aged kids navigating this remote learning space. And you know what? It's been a rough ride. There's been good moments in it, but seriously hard work all day, every day. It has been full on. So when that glorious day came where the kids went back to school, after I dropped them there, I came home. The sun was shining. I went out into the backyard and I sat down. I paused. This moment, it was actually a little bit emotional, thinking, you know what? It's finished. It is done. My remote learning experience is complete. Um, and I sat there, I think I sat there for three hours just enjoying that moment. And I wonder for you, you know, what has your isolation and pandemic boat been like? And I wonder how you're feeling about the end of lockdown being kind of in sight now. Today I want to start by looking at Genesis chapter 1. And in that um, chapter, we have the story of God creating the world. It's set out as a kind of a poem where each day starts with something God said. It says, and God said, and then describes his creative work. And then each day finishes with this refrain saying, there was evening and there was morning, um, you know, the first day. There was evening and there was morning. There was evening and there was morning. And it goes through all six days like that. But the seventh day, the seventh day was really, really different. On the seventh day, it didn't say, and there was evening, and there was morning. The words were, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, and so he rested from his work. Um, that day was really, really different, and seven is a really significant number in the Bible. It represents completion, and it represents rest. But the story did not stop right there in, the, um, in that time of rest what happened was that the first humans made a really, really terrible mistake. They did something and they got cast out of that perfect rest in that perfect garden. They were sent as exiles to roam around in the wilderness, kind of lost and broken and alone. And in that moment, God began his restorative work to return creation, to return humanity as part of that creation into his beautiful seven-day rest. And he did that um, using the people of God and he wove this thread through their story, this thread with cycles of seven in it. Um, and if you have a look at the slide there showing these cycles of seven, the first one was a week. They would work for six days and on the seventh day they would rest. That rest was an act of worship. 
acknowledging God and his rest and that they belong to him. The next cycle was seven, it was over a year. They had seven festivals that happened each year, each one pointing forward to God's ultimate seventh day rest. Then every seven years, they had a whole year of rest and in that year, the earth itself would rest. They were not to plant their crops or harvest, but they were to let the earth rest and trust God that he would provide for them, pointing forward to the ultimate seventh day rest when God would set everything to rights. And then, if you thought seven year one was big, you should hear this next one. Every seven times seven years. Now, if there's kids out there listening, the mathematicians among us will be able to work out that that means every 49 years. We think it was in the 50th year, there would be a really special day. And on that day, a trumpet would sound and they would announce the Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favour. And in that year, the most amazing things happened. In that year, um, slaves were set free. If you had a debt, that debt was forgiven. And the super cool thing is that the land got returned into the family that it belonged to. It was like this huge economic reset that undid everything and set it to rights, pointing forward to God's ultimate seventh day rest. Now, all the instructions for that jubilee year are pretty clear in Leviticus 25. But um, what we don't know is actually whether it ever happened. There's no narrative, no story that kind of tells us, you know, this is the time that they did the Jubilee and this is how it worked. We just don't know. So we're left waiting and wondering what's happening with this plan for God's ultimate seventh day rest. And into that space is where Jesus comes into the story. He comes into this story and he makes an announcement at the start of his, um, his public ministry. And you can have a look at his announcement. It says, He opened up the Hebrew scriptures to the prophet Isaiah and read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the year of the Lord's favour has come. When Jesus made that announcement, he rolled up his scroll and everybody, all the eyes were looking at him. And you know what he said? The most profound thing. He said, this scripture is fulfilled today in your presence. He, you know, does that sound familiar? Did you catch what he's on about? There's slaves released, the oppressed are set free. The year of the Lord's favour. Jesus is announcing a jubilee. The jubilee has come in the person of Jesus. And you know what? This jubilee has played out over and over again in the lives of his followers in the most beautiful and amazing ways. You know, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, now he was corrupt. He'd colluded with imperial Rome and cheated his own people. But when he had this encounter with Jesus, uh, what happened was he everything changed. It's like there was a reset in his life. He, um, he gave um, 50%, half of what he had to the poor and he returned um, to people, like people he'd cheated, he gave them back four times what he cheated them. The, um, the jubilee, the ultimate seventh day rest has begun and it's at work in the lives of Jesus' followers. 
you know, Daniel Flynn had this vision when he was a teenager that, you know, his vision, it was to flip consumerism, nothing bigger, you know, nothing too big, just flip consumerism and change the world. And as part of that vision, he's been working on it ever since, he set up this brand called Thank You, a social enterprise, and you can buy Thank You soap or hand sanitizer, Thank You nappies, and they send the profit off into the developing world to make a difference in people's lives. And he's got this wild idea going on at the moment that instead of just having Thank You here in Australia or New Zealand, he wants to send it global. And to do that, he's invited some multinationals to partner with him. This is a bold jubilee-type ask. And he's asking for our help too. He's asking for people to um, post, to tweet, to make a lot of noise to help that happen. And if you want to be part of that, you can see in the comments the link to find out more. Um, the jubilee has begun, and it is at work in the lives of Jesus' followers. My gran always used to say to me, never underestimate the impact that you can have on a young person. And when I was 16 and 17 and 18 years old, we used to talk for hours and those conversations have had a profound impact on who I have become. And the cool thing is that now I get to have these conversations with young people through a vet course that I teach in Christian ministry. But recently I started to wonder, you know, how can I make this accessible to more people? And I had this idea that perhaps I could set up a sponsorship and the boss said yes, and so now we're going to make this accessible to more kids, kids who could never have otherwise um, got to it. You know, working out the jubilee um, of what that looks like in our lives takes creativity and it takes courage. And I wonder for us here at New Community what that might end up looking like. How do we follow Jesus along this path of rest and of reset to take what we have in our hands, no matter how small, and ask, how can I share? You know, I think it looks like making hampers for people in our community that could do with a break. The Jubilee is at work in our lives. Um, I think it looks like um, partnering with farmers in Laos to help provide mulberry plants, because the Jubilee is at work in our lives. And it looks like um, looking towards our next-door neighbours and our global neighbours because the Jubilee is at work in our lives. And it looks like us allowing ourselves to rest and to reset and to trust God to provide for us too because the Jubilee is at work in our lives. And so may we, new community, experience the joy of Jesus' Jubilee at work in our lives. So much good stuff to think about this morning um, from Jen Beachy and, and now from Jen H. And thank you so much, Jen. Great, great message for us there. Ali's going to pray. Um, and then after that, we're going to have a song. And I wonder whether you might just, um, just change your posture. You might just want to say, God, what is it that you want of me? Um, have a listening posture. Have, have an openness posture as we pray and as we listen to this song. God, we thank you that you are good and that your intentions for our world and for us living in this world are so good that you want us to be able to rest and live well here. And God, I, I want to say I'm sorry for the many times when uh, the world um, shapes me and my desires for um, pleasure and all those things shape me because I know that not only is that that I'm not being shaped how I want, but 
I know that that has such implications and ramifications for the rest of this world. So God, I'm sorry for that. God, I pray that you will shape us to be more like you, that from us will flow generosity, generosity that will have a knock-on effect through this world, that we will have eyes to see, that we'll have the incredible wisdom to know um, how to live, that we will bring good to this world. So through today, through tomorrow, I pray that we'll just be aware of um, who we are, of how we're living, of what's shaping us, uh, that we will remember that um, you are God and that you are with us and can do this with us and through us. Help us to live well. Amen.